0: Uh, If you would open your Bibles with me this morning, I'm so excited uh, to preach in our continuing series on Acts. Uh, Today we're going to be talking about Acts the Mix. Mix. Acts chapter 10, um, you can follow along with us. Or if you're uh, going out out of our Bible app, simply go to our Bible app and and, uh, if you click on if you click on the little uh, menu and, and click on events, you can find, if your location services are turned on, Christ's Legacy. And if you click on Christ's Legacy, you can also follow along with my notes. All the scriptures will be there. But you'll also have an opportunity to click on the links that are associated with any of our events at Christ's Legacy so that you can sign up right in your seat or you can, uh, you can do it at home or anytime that you need. You don't have to uh, wonder where to go or how to get there. i I am always surprised at what God is willing to do around a table of food. I, I, I mean, as Pentecostals, we kind of intuitively know this, don't we? Like God really moves whenever we serve food it's It's kind of amazing. I think to myself back in the many church uh, services and experiences I 've had over the years uh, in different states and different churches around the United States, and I realize. A few things that that I've had some pretty good food. I mean, as a youth pastor, 90% of it has been pizza. I, I know that, but there, there's other things like fried chicken and casseroles, and, and so many desserts that uh, well, I, I'm afraid that the that the years have shown their wear on my dessert uh, intake. And uh, uh, solid ministry ha- has happened over hot dogs. I mean. It's been wonderful, and it, and it never ceases to amaze me that God does something over food. Now, many of you think that this is probably an exaggeration, but, but sitting across the table as we gather together, it's actually a, a moment that the Spirit uses to, to move on people's hearts and lives. It's not just simply sharing a meal together, but it's, it's more than that. It's, it's sharing life together. It's being in unity with one another. And when we are in unity as a church, that's when the, the spirit of the Lord comes and, and does awesome things. As a matter of fact, I look back on just this very last Sunday evening. It was really amazing. We had one of the most incredible outreaches we've ever had at Christ's Legacy. It's really simple. It was the back to school bash. And if you weren't there, you really missed something because here's, here's what it was. Invite the kids and their families to come. Give them a backpack. Tell them that the church and Jesus loves them. Then send them out to play on all sorts of slip and slide water bounce houses and feed the family a dinner. Just hot dogs. They were unkosher. They were, I think, pork and chicken lips. But that's fine because nobody complained. Everybody ate lots of hot dogs that night. And I was so amazed and encouraged because... So many people came, hundreds of of people were here in our facilities, and over 50% of the people that I met had never walked into the door of Christ's legacy and didn't have a church home. If you don't believe me, watch this video and see the results for yourself. God. If you were one of the volunteers, would you just raise your hand up in the air like you just don't care? Wow. Thank you, guys. Would you give our volunteers a round of applause? We had over 60 volunteers. Uh, about 200 kids came. We had even more moms and dads come with their kids. And what's even more amazing is that we raised over a thousand dollars for children's ministry that evening. How awesome is that? That, was, that is such great news to me. And, uh, and we did that by having one of our deacons, brother Scott, who you'll see walking around out, outside sometimes. Uh, we had him go down a water slide. He, he went down in his jeans because he didn't know and he didn't expect it. He just we just said, "Go up there and he did it. So it was wonderful. Uh, I had an opportunity to go down a 22 foot Water slide bounce house, slip inside thing, and it was awesome. (laughs) And coincidentally, that was also the big splash that you saw. (laughs) It's wonderful. It was never so much fun to raise money for children's missions, but something else was awesome. That I had the opportunity to sit down with several families, just like many of our volunteers did. Families that had never come to church or maybe didn't have a home church. And, and just talked to them over a hot dog and chips and, and some water. And some of them had a, a, a Kona ice uh, a slushie. We just talked and, and I found out about their life, where they were from and what they were doing. And so many people said this to me. This is, I, I would just make the statement. I, I just said, you know, here at Christ's Legacy, I just want you to know we, we love you and, uh, and we love your family and Jesus loves you and we want you to come we don't care where you're from or what you got going on, what you've been through, you're welcome to this, to this church. And, and as, as simple as that was, at least three families told me that they've never heard a pastor say that to them. They, didn't, they weren't all sitting together, it was just at different times. And I wanna share that with you to let you know that our community is open and ready to have somebody come and love them and share the gospel of Christ with them. See, at Christ's Legacy, we're about one thing and one thing only. It's not making us more famous, because you know, we're pretty famous around here. It's not about asking for money. We believe that the Lord will supply. It's not about becoming influencers on the internet, okay? Our goal is to live out Acts chapter 1, verse eight. It says this, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere, in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. I want you to know that we are a Holy Spirit-empowered church that is interested in one thing and in one thing only, further the gospel of Christ. Amen? amen. Somebody say amen. 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 See, that's really That's it, that's the big idea. That's everything that we've got going on here. That's the motivation and that's the direction of our church because we love Christ and we're forgiven of our sins. We're redeemed by the blood of the lamb and then we've set our course to be obedient to him and out of love and compassion to our Lord and savior, we share the same good news that saved us. That's it, it's not complicated. And it turns out that that's the secret of Christian success is to make Jesus Christ known to everyone. See, that's the plan all along. It's not new. It's, it's not a new age idea. It's not because it's not we're following a big mega church and, and their programs or their schedules. It's because it's the way that God had intended us from the very beginning. and on this side of Calvary, it's pretty easy to see. It's pretty easy to understand and determine. We know that God has, has called us through John chapter 3:16 that God so loved the world, the world, right? That He gave his only begotten Son. We know from things like 2 Peter 3 to 8, 8 through10 that tells us that it's not God's will that anyone should perish, but all come to repentance in him. Amen. And You guys know my Greek is, is pretty rock solid whenever I get to the, these words like no one and anyone and all. Because as it turns out, what they mean in Greek is, is no one, anyone and all. See, the gospel is not supposed to be complicated. It's not supposed to be hard to grasp. It's for anyone, everyone and all. As we move into this passage of scripture that we're going to be talking about in Acts chapter 10, it becomes necessary for me to break it down contextually for you so that you have some background so you can understand moving forward. The background of this passage of scripture that is necessary is to understand the the divisions of, of cultures during that time frame, during the time frame in the early church, first century church, as it's developing and growing and blossoming into what God had called for its purpose. See, the, the world was delineated into basically two groups. First, there was the Jews. It was, they were God's chosen people. There were a people that were, Chosen by God to be associated with by God, that God would move in, in and through to 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 make him known throughout the world these are the group of, this is the group of people that that began from Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. This is the group of people that was miraculously let out of the imprisonment enslavement in Egypt by Moses, a group of people that that were the, power, the dominating power of the world at one time and, and also the, uh, another time, the slaves of the power of the world and, and they have been anywhere and everywhere in between. These are people that have been loved and hated by the entire world. A group of people that understood what it was meant, what it was meant to live by the law of God. There's a group of people like that. But then the other division was the everybody else. <laughs> we call these people Gentiles. And Gentiles were basically not under the Le- Levitical law. They were considered ceremonial and everything else unclean. They could eat anything they wanted to. They could do anything they wanted to. They, they followed all other gods. They were an, different cultures. They were different everything. and as such, Jewish people could not have association at any level with them. They couldn't eat with them. They couldn't marry with them. They couldn't even enter into their house. The delineation was very clear. You're either Jew or Gentile. The only way for a a Gentile to be able to associate in fellowship with his Jew was for the Gentile to to do something that we would refer to as um, is proselyte. And this was a way that they would have to uh, renounce their whole entire life. They'd have to come up underneath the Levitical law, believe everything that the, that, that the Jews believed, do everything that the Jews did up into and including being circumcised. You had me on, uh, until that, <laughs> right? And then once you, once you did all that, then you could associate and be known as a believing Jew. It's important to understand that racial division and prejudice is not a new idea. As a matter of fact, when we look at scripture and in the first century, we find something very clear. That racism was even greater at that time than it is today here in America. And we know that it exists today. We know that we face problems and we still deal with racism and prejudice. But I want you to understand something that, that it was even greater and it was even more heated and it was even more readily seen than even here today in America. And so as such, even Peter as a disciple, on the other side of Calvary, on the other side of being filled with the Spirit, he was saved, he was filled with Spirit and he believed in God and the gospel that God had called him to preach. But even though he believed and did all of that, he didn't really truly understand the scope of the salvation that God intended to bring to his people, to not just the Jews, but also to the Gentiles. He didn't understand that the amazing moment of of conversion that was just about to take place wasn't just a conversion of Cornelius, who we'll meet in just a moment, but really today is about the conversion of Peter. Now, some of you are saying, "Oh, Pat, hey, Pat, Pastor John, hold on. This guy, he was um, he was already saved. He already knew Jesus. He's not converted." Can I tell you something that that I know that the greatest miracle is a sinner coming to redemption and believing in Jesus and repenting of, the, the, of their sins. I understand that that's the greatest miracle, but I wanna tell you something else, that the second greatest miracle is a Christian that knows God, that hears his voice, but has hardened their heart towards others, has, has God come and break off the, the, the rust on their heart, and warm their heart with compassion towards others so that they can share the good news with everyone in their life. The second greatest miracle is when Christians learn to love everyone. So as we go through our passage in just a moment, I want to point to Cornelius. For those of you that are already familiar with the story, you understand the thrust of where this passage and this message is going. And so I just want to open up the altars right now if you'd already go ahead and like to make my job easier. Otherwise, we're going to move on to discover that, that right now Peter is in the city of Joppa, which is about 30 miles south of a place called Caesarea. And this is where Cornelius was. He, Peter was staying in this beautiful place beach house at a guy's house by the name of Simon, and he was a a tanner of animal hides. Interesting because that was considered unclean for a Jew to enter in. Nevertheless, nevertheless, Peter was staying at the house. It was a beautiful home, two-story home at least, and we know that it was by the seaside of the Mediterranean Sea. Uh, It's just picturesque there, and and here's where we begin our text in Acts chapter 10, starting in verse 1. In Caesarea, there lived a Roman army officer named Cornelius, who was captain of the Italian regiment. He was a devout, God-fearing man, as was everyone in his house household. He gave generously to the poor and prayed regularly to God. One afternoon, about three o'clock, he had a vision in which he saw an angel of God coming towards him, Cornelius the angel said. Cornelius stared at him in terror. What is it, sir? He asked the angel. And the angel replied, your prayers and gifts to the poor have been received by God as an offering. Now send some men to Joppa and summon a man named Simon Peter. He stayed with Simon, a tanner who lived near the seashore. As soon as the angel was gone, Cornelius called two of his household servants and devout soldier one of his personal attendants he told them what had happened and sent them off to Joppa Now I want to stop right here and kind of review this moment of the vision that Cornelius the the Roman the Roman captain experienced See Cornelius was a very pious man that that uh, performed two out of three acts of piety to the Jews. So that means that he probably wasn't a proselyte, but instead he was just a devout person. He wasn't a Christian. He was a devout person that worshiped a monotheistic God. And we know that he worshiped God, God the Father, the one that we worship. And he worshiped and he, he gave to the poor generously and he prayed devoutly. I think it's important here to understand this, that he led not only himself, but his entire family to worship and to be devout to the Lord. I wanna sit here for just a second and I wanna remind you men in this room that God has called you to a place of spiritual authority in your house. And whenever you devote yourself, yourself to worshiping God, to praying, to living out your faith, then your family naturally follows you. You wanna see a change in this nation, in this community, in our church? It takes the men to take their position in the family, to pray and to live out their faith, amen? Amen. Come on, somebody say amen. 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 So I wanna draw your attention now to the fact that Cornelius encountered the angel while he was praying. He made himself available to receive a vision from God. God didn't interrupt his time. Cornelius gave God his time. He was devout and he gave God time. And sometimes I think that we have this idea that prayer is simply taking our needs unto the Lord. And yes, while that's a part of our prayer life and our prayer time, and we should take our needs to the Lord, we need to understand that prayer is also a time where we allow God to speak back into our life. When we come to God with an expectation That prayer isn't only talking to God, but prayer is a time where communication happens, where God speaks back to us. And when we come to him and we expect it to him, he might just well speak back to us if we allow him. Prayer is a moment and a time where he brings direction and clarity, where we can have conviction in our hearts and be encouraged through the the voice of the Holy Spirit speaking into the the bottom of who we are in our heart. See, as we see this angel of the Lord give direction to Cornelius, there's something else that's significant about this point. The direction was given so that God would guide Cornelius to Peter. God knows where you are. And God tapped Cornelius and didn't say through his angel, Hey, what's your name, by the way? <laughs> Sometimes I think that we feel like we're living such insignificant lives that God doesn't know who we are, but God knows exactly who you are. He knows your address, He knows your name, He sees your circumstance, and He loves you. And He knows how to reach out and get a hold of you and get your attention in moments. And he knows how to give you a message just for you. He knew Cornelius' name and he knew where Peter was and he gave Cornelius clear instruction on how to get there. And I think it's also interesting in this moment in this time that we find that the angel could have just said what needed to be said. You know, see, it was God's will and it was God's desire for Peter to preach the gospel to Cornelius, a Gentile. I hope I didn't spoil alert by the way, okay? But why didn't the angel of the Lord just tell Cornelius the good news, the message of the gospel that, that Jesus was God's son, that he lived a perfect life and he died a, a, a sinner's death, but he was raised again by the power of the Holy Spirit so that you and I can receive forgiveness of our sins and be redeemed and have an eternal home and glory. That's the message of the gospel. Why couldn't the angel just have said that? Man, that would have been a lot more simple than pulling a guy 30 miles up north. But I want, I want to show you something, that it's been always God's will to use a sinner turned to saint to present the gospel to other sinners. We need to understand that and really get that. I've, I've heard it described this way. If you've been to a really nice jewelry store, and if you're engaged, you need to go to a really nice jewelry store. But they will put out on the on the countertop a, a, a black velvet mat or cloth so they can begin to lay the diamonds out so that you can inspect them for their clarity and their perfection, their beauty. And that is a picture in that moment of what it's like for the gospel to be presented on the black velvet stain of what our heart used to be. That God will allow his gospel to be seen amidst the background of a sinner's heart that's been forever changed. So that the gospel isn't just presented from the word of God, but the gospel is presented from the point of view of our life and our testimony. That you are a representation, a walking, talking show of the gospel to the people in your heart, in your, in your life, and in your home, and your community, and your job, and you're on your team. That you can present the gospel, and the gospel will shine brightly against our hearts and our lives. See, the church is, is God's mysterious plan for sinners turned saints to show the gospel through demonstrating the change that we have made in our lives. Yes, you should still study the word and you should still know the word, but we should expect to share our testimony with the people that we encounter. So now that we've talked about Cornelius, I wanna divert our attention to Peter. Peter while Cornelius was being prepared, Peter was also being prepared for Cornelius. Let's turn to Acts chapter 10, starting in verse 9, as we find what was going on in Peter's life. The next day, as Cornelius' messages, messengers were nearing the town, Peter went up to, on a flat roof to pray. It was about noon, and he was hungry. But while a meal was being prepared, he fell into a trance. He saw the sky open and something like a large sheet was let down by four corners. In the sheet were all sorts of animals, reptiles, and birds. Then a voice came to him, Get up, Peter, kill and eat them. No, Lord, Peter declared, I have never eaten anything that our Jewish laws have declared impure or unclean. But the voice spoke again, Do not call something unclean if God has made it clean. Somebody say amen. The same vision was repeated three times. I want to stop right there and mention something. If God has to tell you three times, you better listen. Back to our text. (laughs) Then the sheet was suddenly pulled up out of heaven, back to heaven. Peter was very perplexed. What could the vision mean? Just then, men sent from Cornelius found Simon's house. Standing outside the gate, they asked if a man named Simon Peter was staying there. Meanwhile... As Peter was puzzling over the vision, the Holy Spirit said to him, there are men, three men have come looking for you. And at that moment, the Holy Spirit spoke to Peter again and said, don't worry, I've sent them, go with them. Here, Peter is in a beautiful home by the seashore. I mean, this dude knows how to live it right. Think about it, the Mediterranean Sea in the background. It's about lunchtime. People are downstairs making lunch. You could probably smell roasted lamb cooking. You're tired. You're hungry. You decide, I'm going to go up on the roof. I'm going to pray, right? Peter's famous for praying, which actually means sleeping for Peter. Anybody out there like that? <laughs> And Peter walks up onto the roof and many times these roofs were were made like patios and he's reclining on the roof and and there's probably this big tarp or or awning over to give him a little shade while he's reclining up there, feeling the the breeze off of the Mediterranean Sea and he's maybe talking back and forth to God and as he's talking, he realizes that he's very hungry and in that moment, he goes to sleep. But the Bible tells us in other translations, like the one that we just read, he entered a trance-like state. And then this, this picture was, came to him of a, of, a, of a sheep being let down from heaven and animals of all different kinds and shapes were in that moment. I need to show you something that once again, God speaks to people that are interested in speaking to him. When we devote ourselves to prayer, when we are regular in our prayer time, don't be surprised when God regularly speaks to you. You need many times God to do something in your life and and it is truly an honest desire and a cry of your heart. But how often are we regular about praying? How often do we devote ourselves to God in prayer, even if we do have a tendency to fall asleep from time to time? But in this moment, this sheet comes down from, uh, from heaven with all these different animals on it and a voice from heaven called out and he said, "'Kill and eat.'" And here Peter says, "'No, Lord.'" <laughs> what a surprise, no, Lord. I-, I wanna talk about this no, Lord, for just a moment because when I see no, Lord, these are two antithetical words that should never go together. You could say no or you could say Lord, but you should never say no, Lord. Okay, but Peter is kind of, this happens off and on with Peter. We can look back in the, in the scripture and we find two other places that Peter said, no, Lord. We see that where the first time Jesus tells, tells the disciples that he's gonna die on the cross. And Peter said, no, Lord. I'm so glad that Jesus and God doesn't listen to us all the time. <laughs> and then we see that where where we find out that, that Jesus is going to wash his disciples' feet and Peter said, no, Lord. See, Peter had a habit of telling the Lord no. <laughs> so in this moment, it's no surprise that Peter says no, Lord. But, but I want to show you something, folks, here today. I want to ask you if any of us have ever said no to the Lord. No, Lord. No, Lord. God's called you to speak to another person on his behalf and you might have said, no, Lord. No, Lord, not me. I, I, I would never do that. I would never associate with that kind of person, Lord, not me. Lord, I would never go to that establishment to share your, your message. Lord, I, I would never disrespect somebody or, or try to force my own faith onto other people. No, Lord, I wouldn't do that. But in this moment, I want you to understand that God is using meat to talk about men. He's using the picture of eating an animal to talk about ministering to different kinds of men. Not just a Jew to, the, to a Gentile, but us ministering to each and everyone that we associate with. See, God does a new thing because we find out that Peter goes over to Cornelius's house. He follows them over. And in an amazing way, Cornelius was expecting, he didn't know what the message was, but he was expecting something awesome to happen. I wanna tell you right now that that our community is expecting something to happen from the church. They're expecting it. And when Peter arrives, he's greeted by all of his friends and family of Cornelius. And we find out that Peter says this in Acts chapter 10, verse 34 and 35. Then Peter replied, I see very clearly that God shows no favoritism in every nation. He accepts those who fear him and do what is right. Christ's legacy, God does not play favorites. It doesn't matter how much money you have, what kind of car you drive, where you come from or what language you speak. It doesn't matter what background you have. God will accept a person if they believe upon him, they fear him and they live like they believe it. See, we're all different. And I believe that if we would look throughout this congregation right now, even though many of us look very similar, we actually represent a diverse background of people. In this room right now are people that grew up speaking a different language people that came from all types of classes, people from different countries, people from different socioeconomic backgrounds. But one thing and one thing only unites us all, that we are all sinners that are being saved by our heavenly father through Jesus Christ. And in this moment, we can find something very interesting that Peter walks through the door and he begins to share the gospel with somebody that he before never thought he would share the gospel with. I wonder how many doors that you and I have not walked through obediently because we thought that it wasn't a good idea. I I wonder what it would be like if, if we found out that our healing was actually located in a church that we never thought we'd go into. I I wonder what it would be like if if we realized that a, a blessing was through a person that we never thought we would talk to. I wonder what it would be like if we became the church that God has called us to be and minister to a group of people in our community that we never thought was reachable until we were empowered by the Holy Spirit. So Peter shares a very simple message of the gospel and it's just like Peter to to speak for a little while. And here in this moment, I kind of look at this passage of scripture and realize that that the Holy Spirit may have been even getting impatient (laughs) because even while Peter was speaking, the Holy Spirit fell on everyone in the house and they were baptized in the Holy Spirit with initial physical evidence of speaking in tongues as the Holy Spirit empowered them. And they all were filled and Peter and the rest of the Jews that came along with him stepped back and were astounded at what God was willing to do and open hearts and open lives regardless of their background. You see, Christ's legacy, our community is asking for a church to share a simple message of the gospel with them. A simple message. They may not be knocking on our door saying, would you, would you preach to me? But maybe it sounds something like this. I just wish that somebody would love my kids the way I love them. I, I, I just wish that, that I had a group of friends that, that were good for me. Or maybe like this, I I, I wish that, that while the whole world sounds crazy, that I could find a place where it didn't sound so crazy for a little while. Those are people asking us to show them what it's like to live in community with God. You and I are the key to this. And if you don't believe me, look at what happens in Acts chapter 10, verse 44. Even as Peter was saying these things, the Holy Spirit fell on them who were listening to the message. The Jewish believers who came with Peter were amazed that the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out on the Gentiles too, for they heard them speak in ton- other tongues and praising God. Then Peter asked, Can anybody object to their being baptized now that they have received the Holy Spirit just as we did? So they gave. he gave orders for them to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ after Cornelius asked him to stay with him for several days. Christ's legacy, I want to tell you that God is doing a new thing in a new way. That God is gonna be working in our church in a way that he's never worked in our church before. That God is not calling Pastor John, or this worship band, or our programs to be the draw into this church family, into this network of believers. But God is empowering people like you and the people sitting next to you to walk out among the community, to your friends, to your families, to your, to your, to your sports teams, to your work, and to present a simple message of the gospel that, that also is a testimony, a personal testimony of what God has done in your life. And watch, you're gonna be surprised when people that you never thought you never imagined would come to know the Lord, are baptized in the Holy Spirit, are saved, are baptized in water and become part of our church. God is doing a new thing at Christ's legacy and we get to be a part of it, amen, amen. I can't help but be excited at what Jesus wants to do in these next few moments. Would you stand with me all over this place? Praise the Lord. This morning, I want you to know that as I preach this message, you might be here. And you might realize that the Savior that I'm talking about, the Savior that, that aligned Cornelius and aligned Peter and that brought them together and opened the door for the very first time for Gentiles, to have an opportunity to repent and be right to God. That same Savior is speaking to your life right now. Maybe you've never known that red or yellow, black and white, you're precious in his sight. Maybe you didn't understand, but maybe, just maybe, you have been believing a lie that the enemy has been telling you, that you're not worth it, that you don't deserve it, that you shouldn't even be sitting in a church right now. But right now it's a little bit scary to you because in this moment you feel the Holy Spirit speaking and it's cut through this black velvet of your heart. And a ray of hope for the very first time is there in your heart and your life. God's word and the salvation being right with God is for you. You don't have to lose that hope. You can hold on to it right now, here in this place. Would you bow your head and close your eyes with me all over this place? This is a moment of privacy. So please no looking around, no talking to your neighbor. I simply wanna pray over you and ask you a simple question. Heavenly Father, Lord, you're here in this place, Lord. We know, God, that you're here. Lord, And in this moment, your Holy Spirit is speaking to hearts and lives all over this room. Father, I pray, God, that you would speak to them very clearly and distinctly. Lord, let them hear and understand the difference in your voice right now. And I pray, God, that you would draw people to come to a saving knowledge of you. With your head still bowed and eyes still closed, I simply want to ask you a question. You're here this morning, and you'd like to commit your heart and your life to Jesus. If that's you, would you simply... Lift up your hand. I won't call you out. I won't embarrass you. I just want to recognize you right now that I'm praying with you. If you're here and you want to give your heart and life to Jesus, thank you. Yes, sir. I see you in the back. Someone else, you're here this morning and you want to give your heart and your life over to Jesus. I want to call, I want to call you before the Master right now. Oh Lord, we thank you, Lord, for the hand that was lifted. And I pray, Lord, that you would minister to them, Lord. Lord, that you would perform the great exchange, Lord, taking their sin and their shame away. Lord, as they believe on you and your word, and Lord, that you would exchange it, Lord, with your salvation your hope and your joy and your peace that passes all understanding. Lord, that you would do the mysterious miracle of salvation in their hearts and their lives right now, regenerating them, making them new creation. Lord, allow the old things pass away, become the Lord and Savior and master of their life. And we'll give you the glory and the honor forever, Jesus. Would you just give the Lord a hand clap of praise for what He's done for this one person? Lord, we thank you, Jesus. Now, you're here this morning, and you've listened to this message, and you understand one thing that right now, you feel like you're under conviction. It's all right. I prayed for it. You're under conviction because you realize that being a Christian requires our complete obedience unto God, that when God calls us to go and share the message, we don't question, we don't say, no, Lord, we simply go. We share. We share Jesus at the restaurant. We share Jesus at the family reunion because some of y'all's family needs to get saved. We share Jesus everywhere we go. Why? Because that is what we do. If you're willing to make that commitment this morning, if you're willing to make that commitment, would you simply stretch your hand out right now and say, I'm willing to make that commitment. Share Jesus everywhere I go. Don't put your hands down. Keep it stretched up. Some of y'all went, Ooh. I want you to know something. As we look around this room right now, in this place, if this many hands are raised and committed to sharing Jesus, that our church is about to experience growth. Amen? Amen. That's a pledge. Let's give the Lord a hand clap of praise this morning for that. And as we experience growth, I want you to know that we're not just about to experience growth, but we already are experiencing growth. Because just a few weeks ago, we had a membership class, and we had 14 new members. Christ's legacy, I wanna welcome all of our new members to, to this church. But I want you to know that It turns out we're going to have to have more membership classes, more membership moments. And if you're interested, if you're a first-time guest or maybe you've been coming a while and you want to become a member of a church family that really loves and cares about you, it's really simple. All you have to do stop by the Connection Center, pick up a membership application, fill it out, and turn it in. You'll be contacted with uh, uh, further directions And our next membership class is September 11th. That's a Sunday. We're so excited that you've made Christ's legacy your home. But you know what we're more excited about? Taking the gospel from our home to this world. Amen? Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, I thank you, Lord, for this beautiful opportunity that we have, that we celebrate. Lord, a life, Lord, that has been redeemed and an entire congregation committed to furthering your gospel. Lord, in these next few days, I ask God that you would make us bold, make us determined, give us the words to say and the, the, the confidence and the courage to speak your name boldly to our community to our families, to our friends, so that we could see some come to saving knowledge of who you are. Lord, let us grow as a church, and Lord, let us be stretched as individuals. Now, Lord, bless us and empower us. In Jesus' name we pray all these things. Amen and amen.